Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. It's the one is now. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Welcome back. No one's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Miss anything on the podcast? Or on the show, excuse me, you can find it on the podcast. Presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. Our ESPN Roundtable each week is our long-form interview, and this one's long, so we got to get rolling. Well, it's been too long. I don't know why we've actually waited to have a uh, return of one of our uh, great guests here on Nuanas Now, but we have it now. Of course, the world had to fall apart for us to get to this point and for to remind me to reach back out to this guy. But uh, Matt Brown joins us. He's the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. I think a great many of you probably already subscribed to this newsletter. Uh, Matt's a great follow on Twitter. The Extra Point newsletter is awesome. It's uh, sort of an in-depth look at... Uh, Sports in general, specifically college sports, and, and the way that a lot of the ins and outs work and the finances work, and that is so applicable at this exact moment in time because we've seen this massive fracturing of college football, and it's almost exclusively motiva- motivated uh, by finances. Matt, thanks for being here, man. I know you got a busy schedule, and this is a insane time for all of us that cover college football. Uh, how's it been going? What have you thought of just, I mean, we call it a catastrophe around here. I think there's some people that might think this is a great thing. Others that maybe don't think it's as good. What do you think of just the way everything has gone down over these last couple of days and weeks? It, it's definitely been a wild couple of days, right? I remember joking with my wife about this a couple of days ago. Like, remember off seasons? Because I, right. I started this publication in 2020, and between Alston and NIL and Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA, and now this, I'm old enough to remember when July was a relatively slow time for college sports coverage. And, you know, now I feel like I've accidentally become one of college sports' uh, chief disaster correspondents, <laughs> um, which is not what I set out to do, but, but you know, that's, that's, that's where we are. It's a challenging story to track, but even stepping aside my own feelings as a sports writer, I have to admit the last week in particular has really made me profoundly sad. And I think a large part of that here is because 
even though I grew up in Columbus and I grew up rooting for maybe the, the biggest blue blood in, in, in this sport and being around major brands, I have a, what, what keeps me in this industry and, and what I have like a real affection for are college sports outside of those brands and places like your market and places like New Mexico and places like the Big Sky and the WAC and the Southland and, and in the MAC. And I, I really am concerned that these catastrophic and really significant changes are at the point where it's undermining a lot of what makes college sports really, really special. I heard from a lot of commissioners and ADs over the past couple of days, you know, trading texts with me about how they're, they're worried this enterprise has lost its soul. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be too you know, dramatic here, but we are moving towards a new era of college athletics. And I'm not sure a lot of people other than broadcast executives are going to be really excited about it. I totally agree. It's our ESPN Roundtable. Matt Brown of the Extra Points Newsletter and part of the D1 Ticker family joining us here uh, on ESPN Radio. And I mean, that's the thing. is It's the stratification of all of it that's, that makes my head hurt. And, you know, take, take the University of Montana, for example. Montana has great following. They have, uh, you know, an awesome stadium that's second to none at the FCS level and, and rivals most stadiums in the Western United States, honestly, and they sell it out most Saturdays. So they certainly have a couple uh, advantages. But just in terms of the way they accumulate revenue and resources, because they sell more tickets than anybody, they get the least state subsidization of anybody in the big sky. Their, their student body has been up and down in enrollment, uh, but they don't get a lot of student athletic fees. So they basically have yeah. one generation model of revenue, and, that, and that's selling tickets. Okay, that's all fine and dandy. But for years and years, that was good enough. And, you know, Montana competed for national championships perennially uh, in the mid-'90s all the way through uh, the 2000s. And, you know, there's been some other circumstantial things that have made the Grizz uh, have a little bit of an uphill battle in terms of fully competing for national championships, but still a proud program. But this is the point where where uh, it's it's become sort of depressing to me is that I have touted how I think Montana, Montana State, Weber State, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, those schools need to be ready when everything falls apart around them to make a move. But I don't know how you make that move. And if you do make that move, I don't think you'll ever compete for national championships again unless we have some sort of new, different level of Division One football. And so now... It just seems like the stratification is fully in the court of the Ohio States and the Michigans and, you know, the the Alabamas and Georgias of the world. Talk me into this or talk me out of this. I mean, I know that there's now sort of a power four, and we'll see where the ACC goes. Maybe it becomes a power three. But I think actually with this stratification, less teams have an opportunity to actually compete for national championships. So what do you think of just sort of the – the destruction of parity based on all the, the recent realignment moves we've seen. You know, I, 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 for me, I don't know if parity is the, is the chief concern for football, mostly because I don't think that that ever really existed. Uh, or at least it hasn't really existed since, since the, since the late nineties. But you, you, I think you are correct when you say that the, the stratification and the, the engines that are driving everything here are, the biggest of the, of the big brands. And, and honestly, last week, I think this story kind of flew under the radar a little bit, but it speaks to where I am, I am really concerned. And that is with the potential influx of institutional money into college athletics. And what I mean by that here, if folks aren't aware, Florida State does not want to be in the ACC anymore. Their board of regents, their president, their athletic director have telegraphed this in public. They don't want to be in the ACC because they are concerned about 
the difference in, in top-tier broadcast revenue between the ACC and, and other power leagues that might put Florida State at a disadvantage. Florida State, however, is kind of stuck in the ACC unless they either win a very expensive, politically controversial, and risky lawsuit or pay a massive exit fee. I'm talking, I've heard $500 million to get out of it this year between the exit fee, buying out the grant of rights, and solving some intellectual property. What Florida State's looking at doing right now is raising money from private equity, calling up J.P. Morgan, bringing in gigantic institutional investors to raise that in exchange for a percentage and maybe some control of their future revenue. And this is what happens in European soccer. This is the same bank that tried to broker European Super League. And what I tell people is, if this works, to say nothing of whether this is good governance or whether this is in the long-term best interest of Florida State, if this works, there is nothing stopping Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Alabama, you know, Auburn, Georgia, whoever, from breaking their current leagues and branching off and doing something different, other than presidential restraint, which I don't think really exists anymore. Um, so if you are a fan of a mid-tier Power 5 conference team, you know, somebody in the Big 12, somebody in the ACC, and you got a seat at the table because your school made the right friends 100 years ago, I don't think you can feel confident about that anymore. And, and that is a change that I think would be destructive, not just for the Purdue's and Washington states and Kansas states of the world, but it, it's going to trickle down and it's going to impact the Montanas and Monta- Montana states and Weavers as well. This is, I think we're already going to see immediately. These changes are going to make it harder for Montana and Montana state to get quality non-conference basketball games. It's going to make it harder for them to schedule quality opponents in volleyball and in softball or and, and other Olympic sports without the inventory is decreasing. And this kind of consolidation, I would be concerned, will make running the program that you guys expect harder in the future. Matt Brown, Joe Ernest, he is the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. If you want excellent information on the ins and outs of college football, college sports in general, go subscribe to this thing. It's really, really informative and uh, really, really like a good read every single week. Matt, the other part that I think that is not being talked about hardly at all on the the uh, the national stage is that this all of these decision making is about pretty much one sport. That's football, and maybe maybe men's yep. basketball is in there, but there's 32 varsity sports offered at the Division One level. I know most of those sports, most people. That don't have time to care about, but it's still you know tens of thousands of student athletes across the country, and that's the other part where you know these schools are basically thrown in the face of those sports and saying, hey, we don't care about you. We don't care if Washington has to go out east and play uh, you know twice in a, in a conference weekend against Rutgers and Maryland, or you know vice versa. You know yeah. uh, Penn State going to to California to play at L.A. or whatever. So. Um, is it short-sighted from a financial standpoint on the on these schools' parts? Or how, how do you think – I mean, is the money just so great that they're just going to figure out how to mitigate all of those challenges from a financial and a student-athlete welfare perspective? Or uh, where, where are we at with just all the non-football sports that, that this realignment will affect? Yeah, it, I, I think it's very messy. And, and what we're seeing in the Big Ten, where schools are going to have the most financial resources out of anybody, is even that, that money, while great – is not enough to charter for every single Olympic sport team. Um, There's going to be some chartering, but already like the Big Ten is moving heaven and earth, and they're bringing in fancy consultants to help them figure out, all right, can we make USC and UCLA share an airplane? 
Uh, can we somehow, you know, have a you know, host four teams at once and do some kind of round robin to mitigate this travel? But you can't, you can't completely do it. And what I think people in your market, we're going to understand so much better than folks where I live is that it isn't just the air miles for travel that can be really disruptive. It's time zones. If you're in the mountain or Pacific time zone and you are regularly traveling out east, it impacts your body clock. It really does take time to acclimate, and that hurts your ability to compete as an athlete. And the professionals and the NBA and the NFL can mitigate this because they can afford to travel four days early. It's their jobs. They're not doing that in the big sky. They're not doing that in the Pac-12. They're not going to do it in the Big 12 either, and that's going to add up. I don't think, like, I'm not going to sit here and get on the radio or get on the Internet and, and, and pretend that I'm a diehard college volleyball fan. Um, I covered the business and policy of college athletics, so I can't dig into every Olympic sport, maybe as much as I would like. I care about the Olympics, though. I like rooting for America to get a bunch of gold medals and making college Olympic sports worse. Uh, and diminishing that experience will hurt America's ability to continue to clean up at, on the world stage. It will also hurt other other countries that use our college sports system uh, to develop their own. Like I, I would imagine there's probably some athletes at Montana, certainly within the big sky, that compete for their home country's international Olympic teams. Like that's that's pretty common. Making their travel and their academic experience worse, you know, hurts the university and the community. I think in more substantial ways. And 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 the, the truth is. This is one of those issues where if you talk to coaches, I thought Chip Kelly just said this yesterday, talk to most coaches, they'll tell you, we should split up some of these sports. There's no reason that every single sport should follow the conference affiliation of football. We've done this in college hockey. Out West, we've done this with college volleyball. I'm, I, I don't know off the top of my head if Montana has like an alpine skiing team. I know Montana State does, and yep. then they don't have to follow the same schedule, right? We can do it. It doesn't get done for other leagues legitimately because of ego and control. There are a lot of ideas that if you get an athletic director at the conference bar you know, and, and you get one or two cocktails in them and you turn off your phone, they'll tell you, you know, if we're doing this from scratch, we do X, Y, or Z differently. But it doesn't get done. <laughs> That's one of those examples, I think. There's no reason to do it this way. That was why when, when the, the Pac-12 suddenly became the Pac-4, there was all this speculation of, of where Stanford and Cal specifically were going to go. And my first thought yeah. was, well, if I'm Stanford, I should just go independent. I, I, Stanford offers all 32 varsity sports. I believe them and Ohio State are the only two schools that offer all 32. If I'm Stanford, I'm just saying, hey, I'm not being a part of this circus. Our soccer team and our volleyball team and our swim team, we're going to just compete out west in California and not get into this whole rigmarole. Is, is that possible? Is there is there a reality in which Stanford and maybe Cal, but, but specifically the Cardinal, goes goes independent? You know, th- th- so this is actually a really good question. And for football, I think the answer is absolutely. Because not only does Stanford offer all 32 sports, but it is, it's very unique in college sports for two reasons. One is that it is a globally extremely elite academic institution, and it cares about that branding. Uh, it would really surprise me from the conversations I've had if Stanford joined the Mountain West, for example, in part because they literally don't want to associate with the unwashed masses who got 22s on their ACT and go to Wyoming. Um, and and that, that, that would diminish Stanford's standing among some of their alumni. They also don't need the money. Right, Stanford's. I know an endowment is not a checking account, but Stanford's like just their athletic endowment is enough to just like buy the league. Um, <laughs> they can afford to 
to have a high-level football program sell an independent TV contract to ESPN, which is going to include some home games against Notre Dame, make $6 million a year, let it ride. The challenge is going to be in building Olympic sports schedules where nobody competes as an independent unless you're Chicago State and you have no choice. And then you can't build a schedule that gives you a strong enough net rating. Stanford usually wins the Director's Cup. They want to compete for national championships and everything. We forget about this because they don't do it in football and and men's basketball, but they do it in nearly everything else. And as an independent, I think it will be very difficult for them to build a competitive schedule that gets them the net rating to compete for national championships. So, you know, one of the things I'm trying to kind of report out is, hey, is the WCC an option for, for basketball or for some Olympic sports where there, there's some high-level stuff there? Is it possible to maybe do some single-sport arrangements with the ACC? You know, that's part of why those conversations are happening, even though they're, they're, they're 3,000 miles away from each other, because that fits more with their athletic department goal. Cal... Cal doesn't have that Stanford money. <laughs> I think Cal would very much like to be in a league, even if they share some institutional similarities. Does that make sense? Totally. Matt Brown joining us here on Nuanas Now. It's our ESPN roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. College football's around the corner. As much different as it's going to look, uh, there's still going to be yeah. a lot of fun action on the field. So if you want to watch the games, go check them out at Paradise Falls. They have 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, plus breakfast, lunch, dinner, food and drink specials pretty much every day, especially on Saturday game days. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Um, in, in, in all your reporting, and, and you do such a good job of getting a lot of the, the public information that's uh, released as well, and... and uh, so many different avenues to to acquire information on your end, Matt. But is there anything particular that's been surprising or unique or or maybe that hasn't been talked about on the national stage as much that you've learned here over the last couple days or weeks? Yeah, I I mean, I I really think the private equity institutional angle is, is is a really massive story. I'm hoping to do more reporting and write about that early next week. I'm talking to a couple of investment bankers um, it, you know, if you are somebody that follows the EPL or, or high-level European soccer, you might already know about this a little bit, but it's, that's very unique to American college sports, uh, particularly on the college side. Um, I, think, I think the other thing that, that's kind of, I don't want to say surprised me, but I think is, is notable here is that really very few people involved in the college sports ecosystem look at last week and think, this is great. And I understand if you are a very casual college sports fan, and the only thing that you really care about are watching the top game on prime time and like what I like to call helmet games. You know, hey, this is a football or basketball game against two schools that you recognize. This, this may actually be a positive thing for you. You're going to get to see Michigan, Oregon more often. You're going to get to see USC, Ohio State a little bit more often. And if you don't have a dog in the fight, I get it. That's who Fox and ESPN are building this world for. But and I'll talk to Power Five commissioners, even people that are involved in adding schools that said this week was depressing. I've talked to ADs and I've talked to regents who said, like, we admit that these decisions will make things worse for our fans and for our athletes. And honestly, the the Big 12 and the Big 10 are not making that much more money out of all of this either. So that's why I look at this all as really a systemic failure where lots of different people messed up. And it's complicated to point the finger at one guy. And so a lot of people then end up making decisions that create worse outcomes, even if they disagree with it because they don't understand how they fit into everything or they, they don't have the courage or the, the, the political capital to make those unpopular decisions. 
And I think that's unfortunate. I think college sports deserves a better class of leader than it has gotten for the last decade. And it's just such a, a microcosm of what sports has become. I mean, the, the, the new Sports yeah. Illustrated power issue is out. And Jake Paul, who you could argue is kind of an athlete, but he's a YouTuber who made himself into a boxer who doesn't actually box boxers. <laughs> and, and yet he's yeah. this guy that's both polarizing but also being praised for maybe saving the sport of boxing. In that issue, they talk about Naomi Osaka. Uh, a, a, a prodigy, to be sure, somebody that broke through and won a, a Grand Slam title at a very young age, but she hasn't won a tournament in in multiple years, yet she's still the highest-paid women's athlete on the planet because of her influence and what she stands for and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that that's where we've gotten to is we don't necessarily – success doesn't determine your future and your future mobility, your future ability to, to quote-unquote, move up or make more money. Instead, it's just all about exposure. What you just said was so striking, right? That this had nothing to do with what the fans wanted or the fan experience. This is about the bottom line. And at the end of the day, the bottom line is not even actually that much more money. So is there any justification for all these moves besides just the pursuit of television money and the greed behind it? And and, and fear, really, right? Like, if if you are, if if you're an AD or if you're a conference commissioner, you are, we're going to be honest here, you're probably not going to have that job in five years. If you're a university president, you're probably not going to have that job in five years. So even if you think something's bad for that institution or the people that you're in charge of over a 15-year period, if you want to act in, in long-term interest, you might lose your job now or you might lose your political influence right now. So even though it's, it's a misalignment of incentives, and I, I, you know, not to get partisan here, I, I think that's a, that's a concern with corporate America. <laughs> That's a concern with local governance. It's a concern for higher education in general. Um, and, and college sports is part of society, and, and, and that, that's an issue here, too. If I, I tell people, if I knew the solution, brother, my newsletter would not cost eight bucks a month. <laughs> I would be in a very different business if I knew how to fix it. And I also understand that's one thing for me to say I know the answer because my mortgage doesn't depend on Montana finding a way to make $40 million next year. I understand that I'm, I'm not facing the same political pressures that your AD or that Tom in the commissioner's office at the Big Sky or, or, or Leon over across the state are facing, and so it's, it's a different deal. But when you have 200 people <laughs> making those kind of decisions, you, you end up in a place that nobody's really excited about. When it comes to Montana State, Montana, and uh, some of the other sort of halves of the Big Sky Conference, what do you think the future is? I mean, we've seen the, the, the conferences out west fracture, and I think that's the whole talking point for us is just that there's only three division one football playing conferences in the west united states and now there's like two and four teams it's the mountain west the big sky and and uh, the pack four as it were i I think cal and stanford are not going to align with any of the other schools out here so i think it's oregon state washington state and then whoever they can get to team up with them I, i think there could be one or maybe two conferences that emerge out of all this what do you think though i mean what do you think is not necessarily the future for, but but the best fit for uh, some of the Big Sky powers, maybe even the Missouri Valley powers, the, t- the top FCS programs that reside in the West. Yeah, it's 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 a great question, and and you know, honestly, if you want to zoom out even more, I think you can argue there's some there's some demographic and leadership challenges for football in the West. Period. I mean, Division Two football in California is dead. We have two, you know, homeless programs in Division Two in the Pacific Northwest, and I, I think the RMAC is what the, the closest to your neck of the woods, and it's in, it's been in decline in, in D three a lot of places. We have 
you know, historic leagues in Texas at the small school level that are, that are, are facing potential extinction. Um, I, you know, in my conversations with, you know, folks in the big sky, I, I'm not as well sourced at Montana as I'd like to be. I've talked to, I, I went to the brawl last year's brawl of the wild. I know a couple people at MSU and I, you know, the, 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 the line that I keep hearing, which I think is, is the best approach is, is just being public and recognizing we don't completely control our destiny. You know, our options are going to be somewhat limited to what happens with the Mountain West and be somewhat limited with what happens with some of the, our, our less resourced peers in the big sky. So all we can do is build the best Montana or the best Montana state that we possibly can and then be ready so we have the most options, right? And, and that means being aggressive with facilities. It means being aggressive and trying to provide Austin money or cost of attendance with the best experience for your athletes possible. It means trying to make good coaching hires and then have the best quality athletic department possible and, and, and then go from there. You know, I, I, if there is a world where maybe the top half of the big sky football programs affiliated with the top half of the Missouri Valley football programs, and you had a snow belt league, uh, right. And, and, and maybe that was just for football. I think that would, that might, that would probably be pretty exciting for a lot of fans. And I think, I think your, your ADs would probably be cool with that. But that might not be the best thing for some of your other sports, though. And I understand wanting to not completely jettison northern Arizona uh, or, 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 or some of these other places. I wish I knew exactly how it was going to go. I, the one thing I could say, you know, to, that might be of comfort locally is that I, I, would feel, I feel pretty good that both Division One schools in this state are going to are operating in a way that will give them options and flexibility depending on whatever happens. And, and if you're a mid-major, that's all you can really ask for. I do think there's some challenges in terms of, of coming up with the revenue, but we were looking at revenue graphs and comparing them to some of the Mountain West schools. And I think that based on you know, if Montana and Montana State are going to get into a, a, a sort of an elevated football league, I do think there'll be at least a little bit of TV money associated with that, which is uh, more than what they're getting now. I mean, each school's making nothing on TV, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, but nothing that's significant to their, their athletic department budgets. Um, but I do think though there'd be some guaranteed TV money there. I think there'd be an opportunity for some uh, some increased subsidization from the state, uh, just because there's the, the sort of the 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 thought that elevated football brands, elevated athletic departments would help with enrollment and things like that. But still, I think sure. there's going to be about a ten million dollar gap there to catch up to. Uh, Mountain West level football budgets. I was looking at, or not just football, just athletic department budgets. I was looking at Wyoming, yeah. Utah State, and uh, you know, even given sort of the the projected influxes that Mo- the Montana schools could get, I still think there's a gap there, but not insurmountable. I, I do think that they're in a decent position, or probably a better position than uh, a lot of other uh, squads or a lot of other programs in the, in the conference yeah. and, and throughout the West. So uh, we I, shall I see. Would definitely rather. What do you yeah, think, Matt Brown? Joining us, by the way, here yeah. on the ESPN roundtable. Uh, just a couple more things for you, man. What do you, what do you think of, sure. of just the status of Oregon State and Washington State? It seems like Stanford has a lot of different options. Cal has some options. It seems like Oregon State and Washington State have almost no options. And I know Wazoo's been struggling, especially from a budgeting perspective. And losing a bunch of guaranteed TV money isn't going to help that. Uh, if you're Oregon State or Washington State, what do you do? Where do you go? Um, I feel the worst for those two programs. Um, and, and you're right. You know, both of them prior to this dissolution, we're facing some budget challenges. And, and some of that is about enrollment and state funding. And some of that is the fact that uh, a lot of schools in the Pac-12 budgeted for Pac-12 network payouts 
to be at a much higher level than they ever appeared to be. You know, Larry Scott gave everybody in that league, hey, here's what a, a low, medium, and high-level projection of, of, of conference revenue would look like, and they didn't come close to hitting the low end. And Oregon State just uh, is, is, was finishing up a pretty expensive stadium renovation project. You know, both those coaches were aggressive in hiring. Both those programs were aggressive in hiring coaches, and so they've got debt, right? It, it, it would be like taking out a mortgage, assuming that you have a certain job and certain investment income, and then, you know, two years into the mortgage, you lose all of those things. And, and on, on some level, maybe you could have planned a little bit better for that, but also things happen. And there's no way for them to recoup anywhere close to that kind of money. Uh, you can probably join the Mountain West, and, uh, or, 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 and, and, and whether it's going to be called the Mountain West or the Pac-10 or some different kind of thing is a, is a different question. It's actually you know, pretty complicated. We don't know how that's going to resolve here. But it's, there's, there's no way around it. You're going to lose $20 bucks a year. And I think that that's really a, a bummer for Oregon State baseball, which is a national power. It's a bummer for some of Wazoo's growing programs. They both have dedicated fan bases. And even if the football difference might not be enormous, like I don't know if there's a huge difference between Boise State and Washington State football right now. But for uh, other sports, I, th- I think it could be a major challenge. Um, and there's, there's, you know, other than a lawsuit or federal intervention, I don't see a good solution right now. Matt Brown, Extra Points newsletter here on Nuanas Now. It's our ESPN roundtable. Uh, a couple of things on your end to, to talk about, man. First of all, uh, you have a new partner when it comes to the newsletter. So tell people about that. I mean, it's not much different than what you've already been doing, right? It just sort of gets you a bigger platform. Well, what's the deal with the D1 ticker agreement? Sure. So we did this about a year and a half ago. If you work in college sports, you've probably heard of D1 Ticker. They're one of the largest, probably the largest kind of B2B information source. It's a free newsletter. It comes out twice a day. If you want to know everything that happens in college athletics from D1 to NAIA, they're the place to go. I think maybe the last time we talked, I was an independent operator. I was doing everything myself, which can be really rewarding. But, man, like I got two little kids. And I'm a pretty good reporter. I'm not an amazing reporter. I'm a pretty good reporter, but I, I'm not as good at selling ads or building other products. And I'm trying to do other things. So, so this partnership, you know, gives us a sales team. It gives us a, a, some, some tech help. And it gives us the tools to be able to build other products besides the Extra Points newsletter, like uh, a, a classroom curriculum support product, like we had a podcast for a while. And, and now we just built a video game. Which like a real video game or computer game, I guess, which which is exciting, and these are just things you can't do by yourself. So I'm I'm lucky to have a good team behind me. Well, tell us about the the the, uh, the computer game then, because this is fascinating. This so this game is not a joke. It's called Athletic Director Simulator 3000. You can play it on our website if you're an EP subscriber. Website's extrapointsmb.com. Uh, I am not a very good developer, right? Like I don't have a, I don't have a computer science degree. I was kind of picking at this stuff, you know, for fun at night. We ended up uh, partnering with uh, a, a couple of contractors to help build it. But if you like the Oregon Trail, if you're old enough to remember Apple IIe computers or DOS games, um, this is, you know, will look similar to you. It's got 8-bit audio and black and green graphics, but it is full of really realistic scenarios that athletic directors face, whether you're leading a Montana or you're leading a USC or you're leading a, a, a Cal State Fullerton, 
Um, and you are the player has to navigate all of these scenarios while managing a budget, while managing their director's cup rankings, while managing their support. And we had them vetted with, with experts in the industry. Um, it's, it's something we built primarily to serve students. We found that a lot of regular fans are loving the game too. So if you are listening to all this and think, I can do a better job, I think I know how to fix these revenue problems. Great. Saddle up to the computer, <laughs> give the game a go, and uh, we'd love to hear how well you do. Well, sounds fascinating. I'm certainly going to check this out. I haven't played video games in a really long time, but this sounds like one I could uh, definitely spin off that I might be allowed to play. I just tell them, babe, it's 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 for work. It's it's educational. It's for work. So I love it. What a good idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that, that that was it. That was exactly it. I mean, we we joke and we tell people we made 1983's greatest computer game. It definitely looks like it came on a five and a half inch floppy. It's not Football Manager. It's not a triple A title, but it runs in your browser. Uh, and and I, I think people have a lot of fun with it. It's something we can, we're updating multiple times a week. I mean, where I'm literally trying to figure out how we can incorporate some of this crazy conference realignment into the game here right now. Uh, and uh, I'd, I'd love to hear what people think. You can find it at extrapointsmb.com. That's also where the Extra Points newsletter and our FOIA directory live. Matt Brown. Go check out that Extra Points newsletter. Go check out D1 Ticker and go check out that new computer game as well. It's our ESPN Roundtable. Very informative. Matt, thanks for taking some time, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, it won't be so long between the next time we talk, but to keep up the great work, and thanks for being here. Thanks. It was my pleasure. You know, ho- Hopefully it won't be too long before I can come back up and visit again. Loved my last trip to Montana. Well, the best of the best, man. That guy's an ace reporter, especially when it comes to the freedom of information stuff, the, the public info that he can get. And... Uh, He's doing a great job covering the ins and outs. Go check out that Extra Points newsletter. It's very, very informative. Nuwana's Now, it's our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls has breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They also have a Sports Bet Montana kiosk. So if you want to get some NFL futures bets in or you want to go monitor your NFL futures bets all season long, go check them out there on the south side of town, 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Who has the hardest non-conference schedule in the big sky? We shall discuss next. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm, when it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschulteilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. It's been several weeks, but I still got it stuck in my head. Welcome back. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio. One of the concerts of the summer, the Incubus concert here. A couple weeks back, late July. Great send-off for me now that uh, it was like right before, then we hit it hard, and now we're into football season. Speaking of football, 
all football season long. Nuana's now and our crew at Skyline Sports will be on the road. Thanks in part to our great friends at Town Pump. I'm mapping out the travel. Uh, certainly going to be in both Missoula and Bozeman on September 2nd for the uh, opening weekend. The Grizz kick at noon and the Cats kick at 6. So the timing works out great. I'll be able to beat feet over to Bozeman and check that game out as well. Uh, we'll be on hand for all Grizz home games. Our college game day pregame show is back again. And uh, we'll also be on the road. I'm going to go cover uh, the Cats at Weber State. I'm going to also, we'll have a crew on the way to Brookings, South Dakota to cover Montana State at South Dakota State. We'll also tentatively be in St. George, Utah when the Grizz play Utah Tech. We got some trips to Moscow times two, Sacramento, maybe Davis. We got a lot of places we're going to get to uh, this fall, and most, if not all of them, are going to be courtesy of our great friends at Town Pump. Town Pump, Brawl of the Wild by the Mile. When the season's rolling, too, each game week, we will give you an insight, a first look into the upcoming opponents for both the, the uh, Grizz and the Cats. And uh, then we'll do that either Monday or Tuesday each week. And then each Wednesday, like we're sitting here today, we'll give you an opportunity to win a $50 gift card to Town Pump Food Stores. Calls right now, there's a Town Pump near you no matter where you're at in Montana. Great place for gasoline, great place to get your beer, your snacks, whatever. Call right now, call number 3-406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Call right now, call number 3. We got 50 bucks for you to Town Pump. Brawl of the Wild, by the mile, back for another year, courtesy of Town Pump. All right, so here is the, uh, the lay of the land. When it comes to non-conference football schedules. And these are sort of just in loose order, but I'm definitely willing to have a discussion and a debate about them. But I think that uh, a couple of the hardest non-conference football schedules in the Big Sky. University of Idaho, they're at Lamar. Lamar is uh, an upstart uh, FCS program that didn't have football. They had football for a while, then they didn't have football for about 10 years. They brought it back a couple years ago, but they're not very good. So I think that uh, that'll certainly be a win. But then Idaho plays back-to-back FBS opponents. They're at Nevada in Reno, then they're at Cal in Berkeley. So two FBSs certainly gives you a boost in the the strength of schedule for the non-con. Idaho State's in a similar boat. They open up at San Diego State, and then they play at Utah State. They also finish their non-conference with a uh, return game for home-and-home home with Northern Iowa, a perennial uh, contender, coming to Pocatello. So that's two FBSs and a tough FCS. That one's actually probably the hardest non-con. It's just a matter of what you think. I mean, Nevada and Cal are both uh, – I mean, Cal's a bottom-level quote-unquote Power 5 team, even though they're not in the Power 5 anymore, given the, the latest state of affairs. Nevada's a, you know, bottom half of the league Mountain West team. San Diego State's a, a good Mountain West team. Utah State has been good in recent years, but they're not that great. And, but the Northern Iowa's a good FCS program. So, I don't know. Idaho, Idaho State, they, that might be a coin flip over who has the, the toughest non-conference schedule. Eastern Washington also has a tough one. They play North Dakota State, but it's not in Fargo it's in Minneapolis, so getting it on a neutral field maybe helps a little bit. Eastern's then at Fresno State, and then they host southeastern Louisiana uh, in Cheney. So that's a, a tough one as well because you got two. I guess you got one FBS, and then uh, you know the perennial 
juggernaut of the FCS, and then another team that's been uh, a playoff contender for several years now uh, in SELA. Weber State also has a pretty tough non-conference schedule. They have to play Central Washington, who's Division II, so you might say that's an easy one, but Central has the ability to bring in some great transfers. So that's uh, they'll be better than people think. That one's in Ogden, though. Then Weber plays at Northern Iowa, so UNI is on the non-con for several different Big Sky schools. And then Weber plays arguably one of, if not the best non-conference games or toughest non-conference opponents of a Big Sky team when they play at Utah. It's just up the road from Ogden, but certainly the Utes are a, a national power. They are one of the better teams that's exiting the Pac-12, uh, so that's certainly a, a tough one. Portland State also has a couple FBS games. They're at Oregon. That's the, one of the other. I would say that the, the the toughest teams on any Big Sky schedule are probably uh, in order. Probably Oregon and Utah are probably 1A and 1B. Stanford, who Sac State plays, is probably the third uh, best team. Then probably San Diego State's up there. And then probably some of these other Mountain West teams. Fresno State's going to be very good as well. And so that's a, yeah, that's a tough game for Eastern Washington, too. Andrew, any thoughts on this so far? Wouldn't you have SDSU, South Dakota State, up there with sort of those other teams in the Mountain West as one of the hardest games? I mean, I think... I mean, I, I think that Idaho has a better chance of winning at Nevada than Montana State does in Brookings. Agreed, yeah. And I also think Montana State has a decent chance to win in Brookings just because it, it's... Only one game removed from the last time they played each other. I mean, I just think it's going to be fresh on the Bobcats' minds. That narrative's going to be fresh. But uh, South Dakota State also returns a, a, a ridiculous amount of talent. I mean, they have three All-American offensive linemen. They got Isaiah Davis, who's the best running back in the country. They got both the Yankee twins back. I can't remember their tight end's name, but I guarantee you he's 6'5", 260 because they've had a 6'5", 260-pound NFL-bound tight end for 10 straight years. So, uh, And then they got a bunch of dudes, including Adam Bach, back on defense, too. So I agree. I think that South Dakota State, who Montana State plays in Week 2, uh, it's got to be one of the, the – the, I would say it's a top six uh, yeah. non-conference opponent uh, for all the Big Sky Conference schools, for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd tell you, man, I hate that Eastern Washington schedule. I think that's going to be really, really tough. Well, that's exactly where Eastern got to last year. Eastern, certainly, we've talked about their program and, and the fact that they've had a little bit of a regression in talent. Oh, not a little bit. They've had a lot of regression in talent. And part of that's just because of how great their talent once was. I mean, at the peak of it between by 2014 and 2019, they had the, best, the most talent in the big sky. I mean, when you got Cooper Cup and Kendrick Bourne and Samson Ebucom and Gage Gubrud all on the same team— but plus multiple, you know, all-American caliber offensive linemen, a couple of which went on to play in the NFL as well. Uh, you got some pretty, pretty stout, uh, some pretty great talent there. So, um, but that, that's what happened to Eastern last year. Is they played this? They have to do this because their athletic department standing. This year, at least, it's actually two FCSs and a, and a Mountain West instead of two Pac-12s, which they've done in the past. But that's kind of what happened last year. Eastern, they started off tough with a tough schedule. Then they lost a heartbreaker in their opener in conference play to Montana State. And then it just kind of snowballed on them. And then they kind of just gave up. And then they were, you know, getting rolled 55-3 to or whatever they got lost in Missoula last year. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, I think that Southeast Louisiana game is going to be a huge one for Eastern. Because that's, I mean, I don't think they're beating North Dakota State or Fresno State. No. Uh, unless they're going to be, unless they're going to surprise a lot of people, unless they're a lot better than we think they are going into the season. Southeast Louisiana is a, a good team. 
For sure. I mean, I know you get them. They have to come all the way across the country to, to Cheney, but I think that's why Eastern Washington is probably the team among the the actual teams that we're expecting to be decent that I could see starting 0-3 because Idaho's got a tough schedule, but Idaho is not losing at Lamar. Right. You know, Weber State probably not losing to Central Washington. Yep. I think Weber State's going to be a big favorite in that game, and at Montana and Montana State definitely have games that they're going to win on yep. their schedules. Right. I just think, you know, those teams are in a different class to Eastern, but we think Eastern might be okay this year, but I could definitely see them going 0-3. Well, that's the part about these non-cons, that sometimes that, that sets you back so much, because you work for nine months for the season to come, and then even though you think you're a pretty good team, you start 0-3, and, and all of a sudden it starts messing with your psychology. Bruce Barnum... He went through this because he knows Portland State's got to play two FBSs, and they do this year as well, Oregon and Wyoming. Um, but they used to play those two FBSs and then try to get an, a good FCS as well. They don't necessarily have the money to get an FCS to come to Hillsborough Stadium, but also he knew that they had to get some sort of win before you get in the Big Sky Gauntlet. So these last couple years, like last year they scheduled a school called Lincoln. I'd never heard of them until last year. This year they're playing another school I'd never heard of, North American College. So sometimes you just got to get a win under your belt just to, to have that confidence. We'll keep on talking Big Sky non-conference schedules right after this. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Bet you didn't know this is a Blue Oyster Cult song. Yeah, that Blue Oyster Cult. Don't fear the Reaper, more cowbell. It's just the Metallica version of it. Welcome back. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Of course, we completely uh, ran out of time here. If you missed anything in the show, you can always find it uh, on the Nuanas Now podcast. We heard from Sam Herter of Hero Sports, Matt Brown of the Extra Point Newsletter, Cleveland Thomas, a wide receiver for Montana State, and we also did some uh, over-unders uh, for the NFL win totals. So, fun show. And we also been going through the uh, hardest non-conference schedules in the Big Sky Conference for football this year. All of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, presented by Blackfoot Communications. The M Store, where they're all grizz all the time. And the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. Uh, Quickly, a couple other non-conference schedules. Sac State has actually a sort of favorable non-conference schedule. There's at Nickel State, who's been a playoff team, uh, but Sac State should probably be the slight favorite in that one. Then they play Texas A&M Commerce, who's a, a, a transitioning D2 to D1 team. And they're at Stanford, playing against their former head coach in Troy Taylor. Northern Arizona's at Arizona at UND, so that's a tough opening way to go. Uh, UND as in North Dakota. And then uh, Northern Arizona gets Utah Tech in Flagstaff. Northern Colorado's at Abilene Christian. Then, they're, then they host Incarnate Word, who's been a playoff team the last several years. It was actually a Final Four team a year ago. And then Northern Colorado's at Washington State. The Cats host Utah Tech. They're at South Dakota State in, Brook, in Brookings. Then they face Stetson of the Pioneer Football League. Davis also plays Texas A&M Commerce. Then they're at Oregon State, and then they host Southern Utah. Cal Poly... Actually has a favorable non-conference. They host a San Diego program that's uh, in a state of disarray since Dale Lindsey was forced out there as the head coach. Then they're at San Jose State, which is by no means a powerhouse uh, in the Mountain West. And then they play Lincoln at home, Cal Poly does. And then uh, I I would say Cal Poly and Montana have the most favorable non-conference schedules. Montana's uh, Butler at home at Utah Tech in St. George. 
and then uh, Ferris State, a Division II school, but is the two-time defending uh, Division II national champion. So, uh, I don't know. I think that every Big Sky school has at least one game on their non-conference in which they will be underdogs except Montana. I think that even Cal Poly, I don't know, they'll be underdogs at San Jose State. It might be a coin flip against San Diego. UC Davis will be dogs at Oregon State for sure. Montana State will be dog at South Dakota State. Northern Colorado, certainly at Washington State. Arizona, uh, Northern Arizona at Arizona. We'll go through this uh, more tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. But we'll be back at it tomorrow with the renewal of our Where Are They Now series. A really fun one. The guy's been playing for the Harlem Globetrotters for quite some time now. Former Grizz men's basketball player Shane Christensen. Scooter in the house. We'll also have Carolyn, the ticket doesn't know sports. And we'll talk some baseball as well. We'll see you tomorrow. Snowan is now ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia when you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore. You can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.